we would be dead for sure <laughs> if I didn't learn how to code. And it's an invaluable skill that I'll have in this organization and future organizations. It also just helps me like think about things. Like it's a really great like way to look at the world sometimes. Hey, you're listening to the Sub Club Podcast, a show dedicated to the best practices for building and growing subscription app businesses. We'll share insider secrets from the top subscription apps on the app stores. Let's get into the show. Hello, I'm your host, David Bernard, and with me as always, Revenue Cat CEO, Jacob Hiding. Our guest today is Seth Miller, founder and CEO at RapChat. Seth is on a mission to democratize music creation with RapChat's mobile app. It takes the friction out of making music and has helped millions of artists unleash their creativity. On the podcast, we talk with Seth about bootstrapping his way to signs of product market fit, raising money from strategic partners like Sony Music, and what it's like to have Facebook completely rip off your app. Hey, Seth, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been a, been a long time coming. You and I uh, first chatted way back in 2019. I, you were like the first office hours call I ever took at, at Revenue Cat. So, uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Go way back in my revenue cat days. It tells you how bad of a uh, CEO I am that we've never actually spoken per- <laughs> like on the phone <laughs> and in two years. Or how good David was. Yeah. yeah, I was like sold after one call. I'm like, all right, dude, where do I sign up? How do I get this going? We we have a lot of cross cross connections because uh, you're also uh, an adjacent portfolio. Like we, Nico is a co yeah I have a co investor, um, but then. Uh, yeah, and a customer, and like we're also both Ohio based, so like, yeah, a lot, lot to cover, lot to cover. Yeah, today. we got to hang out, so we should. I've been thinking about anyway, it's beautiful in Ohio today, but we'll say that, not, yes. not gonna make it an Ohio podcast. <laughs> uh, but, but maybe, um, maybe kick off and tell like what, what is Rap Chat? Yeah, absolutely. So, Rap Chat is the easiest way to make music on your phone, so we have an iOS and Android app. Um, you showed me a rap you made earlier, but you really just like tap in, open the app. Uh, we have hundreds and thousands of free beats on the app. So um, you just pick a beat, you can record over it, and then you can share that anywhere. So, um, you know, we have people making full length studio quality songs from their phone and sharing it to Instagram and SoundCloud. And then also on platform, we have a social layer as well, uh, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, pretty much recording studio in your pocket. Uh, with a community, with a social layer, um, so kind of kind of similar to like a Visco or Instagram for music. Um, and our mission is really to democratize music uh, by providing access and tools to you know the next billion music creators. How how did you get on this idea? Well, I mean, like a lot, like just scratching my own itch in the early days. So, I mean, almost eight years ago, uh, when I was in college. Uh, apps were really starting to become a thing and same with social networks and UGC platforms that, you know, let you create content and share it. So, you know, the day golden era of Vine, uh, Snap, all that. Um, and there was nothing for music. And I also had a hobby of just freestyling with my friends. So we'd get together, throw on beats and rap and some people would sing and just create all sorts of stuff. And it was just something I noticed that was like, yeah, this should exist on your phone. I should be able to do this with my high school buddies that are on a different campus that I used to do it with. And that was really it, just scratching my own itch. And then over time, I think 
we've really come to realize that there's just this massive opportunity to do this at scale for those that really want to make music and take it seriously. And so kind of outgrown my own use case a little bit, (laughs) even though we have people that come and have fun, but really we're focused on providing tools for the everyday artists that um, historically has been kind of gatekeeped out of participating in music. Um, And so we try and give them everything we can in their pocket um, and still feel like we're only getting started. It's not as easy to pirate logic these days, I imagine, (laughs) like it used to be. (laughs) Yeah, right. What did those early days look like? So like, did you learn to code? Did you have a coding background? Did you, um, yeah, how, what did those early days look like? And when when did you get the app out? Yeah, I mean, pure chaos and it's (laughs) not too much different today. You know, it's just a little more organized. Yeah, the first version of the iOS app was June 2014. Uh, I think it was June 7th. And that was really like, wouldn't even pass as an alpha version today, I don't think. Like, <laughs> like especially with how good some of the test flights are. But, uh, you know, it was very basic. It was, uh, you could open the app, record one track over like 10 predefined beats that had to come with the App Store bundle. Like, we didn't even have server-side, like, sure. beats. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and... Like we just want to test that people would do it. And, you know, of course the first couple of months is just getting friends off Facebook and family to like download it. But then, uh, started to notice like, you know, a little bit of traction and then more traction and then basically quit my job. I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta really go after this. And it, that exactly. That's when I taught myself how to code too, because, uh, I had a lot of help in the early days, just from like friends, faculty members, anyone I could get to like work on it. But then after, you know, I noticed there's just like, basically early signs of product market fit, I guess, if you will now, but people sharing it. I was like, I really want to make updates to this thing and I can't afford any engineers and I don't know anything about fundraising. So it was like the only way I could make any updates and then wrote really shitty code for like three years and, but got enough traction and proof to kind of, you know, enter the startup space, the fundraising space. And now luckily we have really amazing engineers and I still write some code here and there. That's probably not that great, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I love it. So did you have any co-founders? Yeah. So we, I mean, we had a team on campus in the early days, uh, that, you know, we're helping out. We've had a lot of people along the way, uh, help out in different parts of the journey. It's been like an epic journey, you know, and, uh, lots of ups and downs, but yeah, we've had lots of different people help us out. And, um, now we have a fully distributed team, um, and still relatively small, 10 people, but uh, lots of great product builders. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, David can can probably talk more to the pain of not like having on staff. <laughs> like it's not so much. Engineers. I mean, the, yeah, I mean, the cost is a thing for sure. But like, I think a bigger thing often is the, 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 the turnaround time, right? The iteration yeah. time of not having, well, you know, even if you're a, you know, product person who's non-technical and you have a technical co-founder, there's even like friction there and communicating the ideas, right? If you're not really in sync. And so having that all in one mind, it can really like speed things up. And in the early days, that's what it's all about, right? It's all about iteration speed. It's all about getting, you know, different sticking stuff, different stuff to the wall to like as fast as possible to see what takes off. So, um, yeah, that's always the advice. Like, I don't know if there's anybody that listens to this. There, there probably are people in the podcast in a similar situation where they're like, maybe they didn't study programming or whatever. Like it, it's gotta be, I mean, I don't know. So that you can, you can 
go against this if maybe it's not the case, but it feels like it's probably the best way to invest your time is like get to the oh basics gosh. like as fast as you can. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the amount of time you'll spend trying to like find a co-founder that codes if like, you know, sure. The ultimate is like you find a co-founder, you guys gel and like they know how to code and, you know, you know how to do everything else. But like you I don't know. We would be dead for sure if I didn't learn how to code. And it's an invaluable skill that I'll have in this organization and future organizations. It also just helps me like think about things. Like it's a really great, like, you know, way to look at the world sometimes. Oh yeah. You're not bamboozled by engineers too, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I can like talk to engineers and I think like it really helps me get, um, buy-in. Like I can go to the engineering team and be like, yeah, no, tell me the real shit. Like, you know, what's really going on and we can have technical combos as opposed to like, you know, kind of the, I don't know if it's just uh, whatever stereotype of early CEO that's like, I need this and this is why and I'm going to go sell and, you know, that can get you into trouble. And yeah, so anyway, I, I'm a huge advocate. I get some people are really, it's a scary thing to learn. It does take time. You're really bad for Ever basically, I don't think, <laughs> yeah, I don't think you ever yeah. get. You're not going to yeah. be good. Like every engineer you work with is going to be like, oh, <laughs> right, like, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I, I do think it's it's really helpful, especially those in the early days, because like, trust me, you can look at Google and be like, oh, I need to raise money for my startup, which is what I did, and eventually we did, you know, do some fundraising. But it's again the amount of time you'd spend trying to figure out how to fundraise and just jump in this like really deep ocean yeah. versus, you know, a skill that you'll have for life that will instantly, you know, provide value in your current job even. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, I try to get people to code no matter what. I guess like you mentioned kind of that, that early stage and like finding product market fit, like how long, and sometimes called wandering the desert, but like how long did you wander <laughs> the desert? Like how long until, and then, and when you first started to see those indications, because product market fits this like, it's, it's a bad term yeah, because like it's terrible, it means different things to different people and founders can deceive themselves all the time. Um, and, 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 you know, even, even YC is like, I think one of the best orgs for defining this and communicating this, their, their definition is not very good. Right. They're like, it just yeah. feels like it's going faster and it's like, okay, like you can still lie yeah. to yourself really easily. So what did that look like for you? Yeah, no, I could not agree more and could go <laughs> on lots and lots of rants about this or just in general, like, you know benchmarks or, or anything like that. Um, I think it's, you know, if, and I'll just speak for myself. Cause like you said, it's like totally different for every company. Um, but the, the first signs is when I remember I was working the first and only job I had out of college. I was a systems engineer at progressive insurance. So I was in their data center, literally like working on servers, had no idea what I was doing, but, um, I was there for like six months. And I remember I was like at work searching Twitter, like rap chat on Twitter, just the term. And then over time, like more and more people just kept sharing their tracks to Twitter and like saying how much they love it. And then app store reviews were a big thing. I mean, it was just clear that we like, like people truly loved the product. Um, and that was kind of the first step and you can't really like quantify. It's not like, Oh, there was a thousand Twitter it's you know quotes or something you weren't measuring like day one retention day 30 retention i was and i learned that i learned all that stuff over time and like we track we track a lot of that stuff but i'm telling you like the most important stuff was like the qualitative in the early yeah. days um and then but you need qualitative at scale like it's not just like your friend you know it's like 
uh, plus, you know, 50,000 MAUs at that time or whatever it was. And I think that that was really key. Like the, the first thing is like people were actually able to record music on their phone and share it. Uh, some people were really good at it. Like this is this is kind of like obvious now, but it wasn't back in the day. Like there was like technical challenges. There were, you know, people didn't think it would be a thing. Some people still don't think it's like a, a billion opportunity. But like, you know, we had to prove out that people would really record music on their phone. Like that was, it seems so obvious. What was the Propellerheads app? Uh, gosh, what was that called? They've had a few, I think. Um, there was, there was. I remember, ah, it's bad podcasting, I don't know the name of it, but I remember there being some I really key like music apps that were kind of around that era, right? It's like the, the phones were finally getting fast enough to be able to do this without like just falling over and dying in like the yeah, 13, 14 yeah. time frame. And Android's still like really freaking hard to get right, but... I mean, over time, now we have like a process of like how we think about, you know, does our product work for a certain market? And it's changed. Like, I, I would say you never really, you're, we're not in a desert, but you never stop wandering. Like your product evolves over time. The market evolves over time. We've seen different personas evolve and grow in our community over time. Um, and now, like I said, in the early days, a lot of it was providing just like a fun uh social media app that was music based for the for everyone and now while we do have those components it's much more about providing a really great recording studio in your pocket with a community of creators for the everyday artists like so now we've actually you know zoned in a little more and focused on one or two specific segments and we have really strong metrics engagement uh mm. now subscriptions for that specific persona so i think that's a big thing. Like in the early days, you read all these blogs and, uh, you know, what to look at for retention or what to look at for product market fit. But a lot of times it's not married with context of like personas. And so for the first three years, I mean, we're getting whatever millions of downloads a year, but like this person in India is here to have fun. This person in Georgia is here to take it seriously. And we were just looking at it all blended. Aggregate, and so yeah. like, once we learned to actually, like no like now we literally ask like why are you here like what are your aspirations and and then we view things through that lens that's been one of the biggest unlocks like it, it seems obvious again but um if you don't think that way then in the early days you're just kind of like wandering like well why is my day one retention like not mm -hmm. changing it's like well you know you're getting 30 percent of your users from this like really bad channel and they're low intent and like you should filter those out because that's noise, you know. I it, it's so tricky though because I I was in this similar position when we were trying to work on growth at elevate and um you can you can really easily that thing where founders are trying to lie to themselves like it's a very easy way to lie to yourself oh, sure. right and be like yeah I have a great retention if I just ignore all the users with bad retention right and it's like <laughs> yeah yeah. I think context is the important thing, right? It's like, okay, like what are the actual context for this? And I mean, it makes me think of um, the photo room uh, founder who we had on a couple, a couple weeks ago. Um, I don't know the ordering of the podcast comes out, but they also had a similar situation where they found a, like within their greater per user base, like a persona where retention was really strong, intent was really high. And then it's kind of great because it gives you, I feel like from a founder and product perspective, it gives you, license to focus right a little bit and be yes. like okay like we found yeah. this profile that's going to be our most important and and we're going to like really put our energy here and it kind of clarifies a lot of like things for the you know product decision making well one thing to interject on this real quick is that um 
I think a lot of people underestimate just how amazing Facebook got at doing this for founders because that the feedback loop and, and Facebook's algorithm and how much data they had on people prior to app tracking transparency and Apple has kind of unwound all of this. But that's part of why Facebook has worked as the like user acquisition main channel for so many apps to grow is because all of what you were talking about, Jacob, and you were talking about, Seth, they just do it automatically with really sophisticated AI and way more data than you're ever going to have to understand people's intent and the, the, the types of people who are going to work well in your app. So when you're feeding those subscription monetization events back to Facebook and Facebook's experimenting with $50,000 a year money, what are they really doing? They're doing what you can do. And now with app tracking transparency, we're going to have to do it more is they're finding those personas and then advertising to them to get you that return on, on investment. And I think people underestimate how great Facebook did at, at finding those amazing personas that work in your app. Um, but now like it's kind of back to doing what you've done. So I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more. So, you know, early on, just seeing it on, uh, you know, rap chat tr trending on Twitter and like following all that stuff. Like I, I think a lot of apps over instrument early and just need to like hit some critical mass first. But then as you get a little further along, you know, you've talked about building this like product market fit engine, like how, like what's your, what's your stack? And then how do you think about measuring and learning about those personas and then kind of building for them and orienting the app around them? I mean, there's a lot there. So, I mean, <laughs> again, for, for context, like we are now just getting into that game, which is like the worst time ever to get into the game where, you know, we're actually trying to bring those users in with our dollars at scale. Maybe, but, but <laughs> you know, it's, it's been disrupted, right? So there's opportunity. Yeah, you, yeah, you'll yeah. have probably a better time than somebody who's trying to adapt from something they got used to. Right. We're going the other way pretty much like, so. And Facebook charged a lot to do it. That's the thing. It's like, they captured a lot of that revenue by figuring it out for you. But if you can figure it out and then find those channels that reach those personas in a more cash efficient way, you actually are at a, at a, at a better place. It's just more work on, on your side of things, but then you understand your customers better. So there's benefits too. So, so maybe Seth, put it on a timeline for me. So like you, you said 2008 or 2009, so you're, you're getting on a, a decade of, of working on this, right? It's been, it's been, how long have you been well, working on the app? 20, 2013. Oh, sorry. 2013. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You yeah, told me yeah, college. You're good. This is before the podcast thing. Sorry. I'm very yeah, good yeah, broadcaster. Yeah. So yeah, 2013. <laughs> so still, okay. Seven, eight, eight, eight years or so. So like, yeah, when, yeah, yeah. when did, when, I guess like, yeah, when did to, to kind of lead into David's question, like when did you kind of transition from like, maybe it's, it's recently, but like at some point did you go like, okay, like how do I grow this thing? Like what's the, what's the, um, you know, I, I see this happen in a lot of these consumer apps because consumer apps really, it, maybe they're inherently viral, but they almost always have to have something like to drive the growth, right? Like some sort of yeah. mechanism. When did, did you ever have a, a point where you like started to transition and start to think about that more? as part of the the company building? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, I mean, to date, like, you know, we've had over 7 million people create music in over hundred countries and over 80% of that's been organic. So it's like, wow. you know, we've really, that was our whole thing forever because we didn't have capital. 
we may have had capital, but we didn't have enough to like even have remotely a good budget. Um, so we really, yeah, we, we kind of tweaked and refined our viral loops in the early days because that's all we had. So when I say scrolling on Twitter, that was like the first instance before you could, e there was a time period where you couldn't even post on Twitter. You had to open the messages in the app and then we made it really simple. Again, all this shit's so obvious now and now every app does it, but you know, we made it really simple to like post a link to your rap chat, to your Twitter and your Facebook. I remember it was only Twitter and Facebook, like two ugly square buttons, because those were the things at the time. And that worked though. I mean, we saw a 10X return on that. And I mean, to date, you know, that type of flow, come in, create content, share it externally, bring your friends in. Some of them will either have the app, some of them will go to the landing page on the website download the app, that loop, I mean, that's been millions and millions of, of downloads. So, um, you know, we're kind of lucky in that sense that, you know, being a, a UGC and having some network effects, like that's really been key. Um, and, and just continuing to like improve the onboarding, improve the recording experience, improve the sharing experience. Like at some point we, you know, added Instagram and video where we auto generated a video for you. That was a really good moment because people and now that's like our most used feature is like sharing a video of your track because uh, those do better on social network algorithms. So I think, you know, we've kind of had the core loop identified for quite some time. And it's just been consistently tweaking and investing and making that better. Now, uh, since we've had that and that's kind of driven itself and still drives itself, um, you know, we're looking at all these different other components as well. So uh, we're testing out some paid stuff. Um, we're testing out like, different types of like content marketing and like we have our own podcast now and we really are bullish on like you know creating educational content for the mass music maker across different channels and think we can do some really cool stuff there um so we're starting to explore different parts of like the growth stack um and you know even web like seo and web we haven't invested in and we think it's a huge opportunity because mm. we want to expose this content to to everyone and we can create unique experiences per platform and we have the bandwidth to do it now. So uh, now it's kind of the fun part. Um, whereas, you know, before it was, yeah, pretty much all organic. Surviving. Yeah. How did you make money with the app? Like throughout the history <laughs> and when did you realize subscriptions were the only and best way to make money on the app store? <laughs> yeah. Nice plug. Uh, no, I mean, we didn't, it's, we didn't make money forever, like until last year. I think we hit like, we're hitting year one. So we'll, you know, we'll figure out these yearly renewal renewals and all that. But, um, yeah, we didn't make money. Like we basically punted making money. Jury's still out. Like, I think if I were to start another app company, I would just implement subscriptions way earlier. But, um, you know, this is what, when we started and we raised our first round of funding, so we've raised, you know, three rounds of funding. And when, when did you raise your first round? First round was 2017. And okay. it was very much like, of course the investors are like, no, 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 don't make money. You know, <laughs> grow your user base, do what Twitter did. And oh, then you, you can money? always make, I've got some yeah. right here. Yeah. Just, just keep raising money. venture capital. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Essentially like just get on the treadmill of MAUs. And then at some point you can do an wow. advertising layer and that's how it's done. Like that's, that's, and you know, it's not like we had any much better ideas either. And we're like, all yeah. right, like, yeah, let's just keep growing the user base. How did you get, how did you get those four years? Were you just like eating ramen and, and working side jobs and stuff? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so two of them were in college. It was like part-time, you know, like grinding. Um, it took a minute to just to get the test flight out. And then the first version, then after progressive, I, for a year, you know, I just 
I mean, I cashed out my 401k and made some decent money at Progressive and sold Bitcoin at like $250 a coin and <laughs> yeah, things like that. So nice. that was great. Uh, maxed out some credit cards. I mean, whatever. The whole, you do like, what you got to yeah, do, right? I was surviving. It was real scrappy until that, that, that first round. So, I mean, that's, that's the yeah. trade-off though. Like you don't, either your app makes money and like you can flow and like kind of live off it or yeah, you got to do that kind of stuff and then eventually bridge to capital. So I was kind of curious like how, how you yeah. got to there. And, and to be honest, like that wasn't the only time we had to be scrappy. Like even after the first round, you know, like a lot of companies, we were kind of like, okay, we scaled our user base. Like I think, I don't know, 10X after the seed round, but it still wasn't quite like series A level. So we were kind of stuck in between rounds and it's like, oh shit, back off payroll. Okay. Like here we go again. And you know, it's, it, there's mo there's been moments, multiple moments like that. Um, and without revenue, it was like, you're kind of at the, you know, it's a, it's a safety net, right? Like it's something yeah, you can go back yeah. on. Right. That, that, that I, 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 I've, I've been the receiver of that advice, not, not in this round at, at building <laughs> revenue cap, but in the past of the, like, just go, go, go. And it's, it's not bad advice. Cause it does like, that's how Instagram did it. Right. There's examples yeah. of companies that, but it's that classic, like you, you know, people with a portfolio of tens or hundreds of companies giving advice to somebody with a portfolio of one and like, dude, I know <laughs> the risk, the, 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 the risk equation is fundamentally different there. Right. Uh, between people. And it's just one of those tensions with venture capital that exists and like, you just got to negotiate. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, you know, it's a story we've heard all too much. I think it's why, you know, I, I beat, Obviously I've got a horse in the race, but like, it's why I think <laughs> subscriptions are great. Right. Cause it just like, you can still use venture capital. And in fact, like, I think it can be very accelerative. Right. But, uh, yeah. but like you have options, right. And you're like less fragile, um, now. I mean, and I'm happy to say like after that grind, now we're absolutely in the best place we've ever been. We have, you know, recurring revenue. We have more cash at the bank than we've ever had, like multiple years of runway and we should hit cash flow positive like pretty soon. So it's like totally different ball game. And I think to answer your earlier question, we turned on subscriptions, yeah, about a year ago. And it really changed the like perspective of product building too. And I think that's a fundamental difference. Like when we were raising our seed round and you know, we had, I mean, we do, we have a social network on top of our tool and people were like, Hey, why don't you just try and get to like a billion users? Like that really changes how you build product and what type of features you prioritize. Like, yeah, you're going to be more like, okay, let me put in another sharing. Like, let me really nudge you to share or like you need eyeballs, right? You don't care. You don't care what's behind them. Right. You're just yeah. <laughs> like you basically focus on the top of the funnel instead of the middle bottom of the funnel. And like Where the subscriptions, really is, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, subscriptions, the, bottom bottom of the funnel and that's cool because it kind of focus it it focuses you more and that's that was just a really it was all big unlock like last year and you know frankly we had to figure out how to make money we were kind of like in between again and um yeah it just came to us david came to us and convinced <laughs> us to do revenue cash yeah i forgot i forgot that that was the that was the the case i mean that was you know part of the thesis of of what we built too was to like ideally lower the barrier and, 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 and stuff like that. So, um, but how has, like, has, has that, cause I think there's one that you kind of mentioned just like top of funnel versus bottom of funnel. When you think of an app that's driven by virality, there's like yep. disadvantages to reducing, right. To like, yep. so you must be balancing that really delicately, right. Because you still, you don't want to, you don't want to take the gas out of that, that viral loop. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, especially a year ago when we're like, oh man, we've had a free app. We have like, you know, 400,000 MAUs or whatever it was at the time. And we're about to introduce this like paid product. You know, it was kind of nerve wracking and how mm-hmm. to do that tastefully. But, you know, we took the approach where we didn't paywall any of the current functionality. Like you could come in, you could do everything you did before. In fact, we upgraded the free functionality as well. And then we built new stuff. So like new vocal effects, uh, new ways to like, automatically make your song sound better using algorithms um, and a few other cool things that people wanted. And we paywalled like additional functionality. So I think that was really crucial to do it that way. Um, and we spent, you know, a few extra months building that, but uh, that was key. And then people converted and they're still converting because it's just like you get the core experience, you come in and then, you know, we gradually level them up and, We've launched one subscription product. So we have RapChat Gold, which again, unlocks the premium creator tools. But now we're working on a second one that we're going to layer on top that helps these artists make money and gets their songs on Spotify and Apple Music. And that's going to kind of complete the artist's journey. So uh, building subscription products can be like really fun and fulfilling for both parties. You know, it's like we're finding ways to help you in your career. And also like we don't have to starve either. You know, it's like we can both... Yeah grow together and that probably sounds too happy but like really it, it, it is like it's been awesome you know it's almost like an efficient market right where <laughs> yeah, people right. are paying for value yeah, there's a term for like, that yeah. value is getting created right like oh it's almost like a good you know way of doing yeah. commerce like who knew? i like that so tell me a little bit more about um about the the fundraising process um as an app and kind of being i know you know you said there was that kind of in between time where it's like you 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 had all these signs of product market fit, you were going after the big opportunity. And then when you switched to subscriptions, it wasn't too long after that, that you, you went and raised money. Right. <laughs> so did, did yeah. the subscription product really take off or, or was it just early and signs of it, it really taking off that uh, seed investment? I, when we closed that round, you're talking about that's, you know, whatever public and um, that, that was around Nico and adjacent came in, right. uh, you know, we were a couple months into subscription. So it's not like we had a ton of data uh, and we weren't even like fully rolled out. Now we had proof that people liked it and good conversion rates and stuff like that. But I like, I think that was iteration one of the paywall and iteration mm-hmm. one of the flow and like, right. you know, like really early. Uh, but I do think it changed the pers- like how, you know, investors perceived our company and we, we proactively changed it too. We're like, no, we're building subscription products for our best users. And like, you know, we, we were able to kind of take control of the pitch more so than before where it's like, you're not making money. How are you going to make money? Are you going to be a social network with ads? Are you going to be like a tools company? It's like, nah, like this is, this is what we are. Like, you know, and that really put us in control. And, um, yeah, once we got Nico and a few other, like we, it was also just a good time in the market. Like I feel like in the past couple of years, you guys have seen, um, there's been a lot of activity on the investor side, getting into subscription apps on the market side with IPOs on the founder side with building really great apps at scaled. I mean, adjacent's whole portfolio as an example. Um, so I think people were also like, that was the first time where the market worked in our favor, right? Because before we were yeah. a music tech social app. It's like, no one wants to fucking touch that. Oh, you're, you're like, you're like, uh, yeah, you're like Instagram, but smaller. Yeah. Exa- <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, and so it, it also like, it, it was kind of a perfect storm, I guess. And, um, yeah, we were very fortunate to get in the right investors that understood the market and also understood like the vision, like the vision was a lot clearer, 
Um, and like, I know Nico really latched onto it and his kind of thesis was perfect for like what we're doing for music. Um, so yeah, it just, it, it was a good fit. And obviously like Sony was in it and like, you know, that, that was kind of a big key moment to get validation from like the actual music industry where it's like, oh, they're a lot more open and flexible to some of these new coming technologies and apps and companies. And in fact, like see value in working together. Um, that kind of knocks down that like historical music tech graveyard of the industry killing every music tech startup. They learned their lesson once probably. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. I'm, I'm really curious about, about Sony specifically. And then, you know, you've already been talking about Nika, but you, after, after raising that round and, and going through that process, what, what's your perspective and, and maybe even any advice to people thinking about this, about that kind of strategic alignment and the kind of value add, um, you know, finding that, 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 um, company investor founder fit any lessons you've learned from that uh yeah i mean it's hard <laughs> one yeah. like and, i was gonna I'll, say i was gonna ask like what how you cause it sounds like your leverage different change probably right from like this yeah. first because I, I i can imagine did you raise those first rounds in ohio uh yeah it, it, some in ohio some in the midwest couple you know smaller funds on the coast but mostly it's got to have changed drastically since even yeah. those first couple of rounds right like it's gonna be yeah so for sure for sure no we have a lot more left i mean we're we can be a lot more choosy we've got to pick like really great investors as of late um it's a whole different yeah it's been it's been crazy um crazy awesome but yeah i mean working i don't know you'll get a lot of different advice in working with strategics or big industry partners and depending on who you talk to some will say don't touch them at all some will say, if you can work with them, work with them. You know, all I can say is from my experience, like it's, it's not easy. Like you're working with a massive, usually a public company and they have a lot more process than, than you do. So like literally getting a deal done is just going to take longer, be more strenuous, probably have a couple strings. We were fortunate enough for it to be like a really good, like clean, same terms type deal. But like, um, it's, it can be really difficult. Uh, and that's kind of up to the founder and the company to figure out like, is it worth it? Um, you know, for us, major record labels are like still kind of the end state for a lot of potential artists and their journey. Like they still provide a lot of value if you get to that point. So like, of course we want to like for the long tail for our, you know, millions of creators, give them that opportunity. And if we can help bridge the gap to like get signed at some point, that's really that's really interesting to us. Uh, but yeah, it's hard. And again, it's very contextual. It depends on every deal. It depends on every company. And in general, it's just, it's going to take, uh, it's going to take some time. You yeah. Know? Dealing with like a big company, like, like Sony, like a venture deal is probably the only thing you're probably tooled for at this stage. Cause like, that's a bit cleaner, right? Like a venture deal. It's like they invest money. Yeah. If you can get it on the same terms as like another venture investor, like it keeps it clean. Versus like if you're working on partnerships or something like that, it gets more complicated. And I think those differences, and I'm, yeah. I'm sure that's probably something you're thinking about going forward is like, how do you actually like begin to really engage on those partnerships? I think that's even harder. So yeah. in, in this specific case, or like maybe a more general case, like a venture, a small like venture investment can be like a nice way to kind of just like get your foot in the door with, with a company or like a strategic, just kind of meet people, just kind of give them yeah. some visibility. And then as you grow up, but I would be, I would, I would caution against like trying to engage on some big, hairy strategic, like partnership deal. I would like push that out until you get a bit bigger. And like you said, like can match the, like the bandwidth differences a little bit better. Yeah. Have like our own 
general counsel full of yeah, a partnerships person. <laughs> like you need somebody to run partnerships, yeah, yeah. right? Or or yeah. it's the CEO's main job, right? Like yeah. and, and that might it's probably not the best use of your time at this stage, right? So No, I totally agree. I mean that's 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 pretty spot on. And how, how did you even get an intro? I mean, or if you don't mind sharing, like it seems like it is such a perfect fit, but even those perfect fits, like sometimes it's hard to just even get your foot in the door. Email CEO Sony. Yeah, right. Can we get a Zoom call? <laughs> Honestly, like that's uh, shit. I don't even know. I mean, I think someone may have introed us uh, or I I reached out to somebody. Uh, I mean, we've had a lot of different contacts. I mean, over the years and, and you guys know this, but like now, okay, we've been startups for five, six years and have pretty good network and investors, partners, founders, and it's just kind of a flywheel. Like now, you know, things come in, things go out, like it, it's kind of an engine. I think with that one, it was later on in my like startup journey. So I had a lot of kind of connections out there already with the other major labels too. It's like, you know, we, we've talked to, we've kept in touch. That was one thing I think we've done really well throughout like our time, even though we've, you know, we've been around for a minute, but we've consistently like, kept people updated, whether it's investors, whether it's potential employees, whether it's partners. And, you know, sometimes like the guy you knew or or, a girl or whoever four years ago that you were talking to at a specific part of a bigger company is now leading venture, right? Like, and that, that type of stuff happens a lot. And I don't think this is one of those instances. Like I literally think we talked to one division of Sony and then someone like introduced us to another, like, Oh, you should talk to the U S music department or whatever. And, um, you know, all that to say, like, it's just happens. Like you just reach out to people or people reach out to you. There's, there's no like magic formula. These big places yeah. have venture teams typically, yeah. right? Or they have like some yeah. venture part of their corp dev wing. That's like, um, has, you know, funds and, and knows what they're doing usually. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's tricky too, to like pick partners. Like, cause yeah, you also like, we're, we're a, um, interesting company in the sense that like we have kind of many implicit partners, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Um, and right. It, 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 you know, there's no, like, there's no like cap table, you know, wedding rings between any of sure, us, which, sure. which yeah, yeah. maybe simplifies or doesn't. I thought you guys owned like 10% of our app chat. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, that's how you got our free plan uh, right, right. in the early days. You didn't read the full, you didn't read the entire yeah. terms of service. Sorry, right. parody, parody, comedy. Hey, I did, I did want to ask Facebook kind of uh, jumped into your space not too long ago. Where were you? Cause you, we guarantee you, you remember when you saw this, but what, what were you doing when like you saw like Facebook, like clone you guys? I, I honestly think I might've been sitting right here. Like, I think I was just working. <laughs> <laughs> it was nothing special. Like that's like a, a founder moment. Like there's these moments where you're like, Oh, somebody just like a bullet just grazed my ear. Yeah. Right? <laughs> no, I wish I could say I was like at the gym on the treadmill and then it came in and I like jumped off the treadmill. Well, statistically it's most likely you're sitting at your desk, but <laughs> yeah, statistically. Yeah. No, it was, it was kind of a weird, like, I don't, I just don't even know how to describe the emotions. I mean, I was just like, I kind of laughed. It was just like, okay, you know, I, I definitely wasn't, um, like scared or super worried or freaking out. Like, you know, it's maybe, I don't know, 2019 me or something, or in the early days I would have been like, oh shit, like now I can't get venture funding or now I can't like keep building, like they're going to crush it. But I mean, we've been around and cemented ourselves. So uh, yeah, I just it was kind of funny and ironic. And then it went like many viral on Twitter with a lot of, you know, my network and other people. And then, 
Um, I had friends sending it to me like, Oh dude, what do you got to do? And I'm just like, I don't know, man. Like just probably download it and see how bad it is and go from there. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. And it was, and honestly, it was just kind of a fun thing. Like, you know, it, it, it did like we got press around the round and then some people could, you know, write about that. And it was kind of a funny story and somewhat of a badge of honor. Like people, you know, they copy a lot of the top apps. And again, it's just kind of like validation that like clearly you're onto something. I mean, they use the same color scheme emojis at, okay. One of my most proud things. That's the stuff that makes you angry, right? As a founder, it's not that they cloned you. It's that they stole the little details, right? That's what makes me mad. The thing that really got me was like for our like button, right? Uh, it's a flame. It's like an emoji. And like when you hit it, it like turns into the actual emoji flame. And I always thought that was like the sickest thing ever. Like they did the same exact thing. I was just Jeez. like, all right. Like, it, I mean, that's what the little things are what confirmed that they actually kind of like really looked at your your app. But um, no, it's been, I don't even know what they've been up to. I don't even know if they shipped updates. It's zero concern to us. And I think um, it was just kind of fun. It was like funny to share with the team and, uh, investors and, you know, a lot of investors are like, hell yeah. Like, that's a good sign. Like keep yeah. going and you should hire somebody off that team. Yeah. Right. I, 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 oh, trust me. I would love to. Cause like, just think about like, yeah, I, I think you've got the right mentality about it. And I'm not even telling you this is like trying to make you feel better. <laughs> no, like, appreciate really, it. Cause yeah. like, think how much more skin in the game you have. And I don't know who built this. It's probably some product managers yeah. like promotion packet project or whatever. I'm being condescending to people working in big companies, but you know, <laughs> but, but, but think about it. Like this, you know, this is a, this is a one-time thing. There's trying out, right? This is your yeah. passion, right? This is your life. You've yeah. lost whatever years, right? Like, Good luck, unless unless they right. just happen to be way more talented and way more funded, which maybe Facebook is, but like they're not, they don't execute perfectly on everything, right? So I just think you just smile and you just be like, yeah, let's go, right? It's not, it's not yeah, like Apple's exactly. competing with you and being like, we're pre-installing a chat wrap app on right, the uh, right, on yeah. the phone, which you know could happen, but sure. <laughs> don't sleep. Yeah, I mean, GarageBand. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, the thing is also like, look, in the early days, we were. I'm just sharing this for context. Like, we were you know, one of the first apps that actually let you record your voice over a beat and share it. Like that was like new. Okay. Now there's plenty of apps where you can come in record vocals or, you know, different types of audio over beats and like music making apps are kind of a commodity. Um, but what we've done that I mentioned, and we kind of fell into this was like, we built that social layer, that community layer, and you can't replicate that, no, you know, like they no. can come in and replicate the tool and have a feed, but like, Nah, dude, we already have like hundreds of thousands of like passionate creators that have been with us, that have been riding with us. And my favorite thing was when Complex tweeted it out and like Complex being like a very like cultural industry outlet and they tweeted out and the responses to that were just like the most hilarious thing. I don't even think I can say like <laughs> half of it, but it was like basically like Zuck this like reptile coming into like, you know, vulture, <laughs> culture, vulture, and like all shit that like would be my worst nightmare people said about us. And they don't like, it's just, we're, we're authentic and, you know, we really care about the community and that's, you know, that's number one. That's awesome. Well, I think that's a, a great place to wrap up. We're coming up to the top of the hour, but I did want to give you a few seconds to, uh, to pitch. Yeah, I know you're hiring and you got a lot going on right now. Um, any any specific roles at the company that uh, that you think our audience might be a great fit for? Yeah, for sure. I appreciate that. Um, I mean, really just like product builders. And I say that like broadly. So engineers, designers, uh, growth marketers, 
Um, we're looking for really great people to help us scale. Again, we're still a small team, um, 10 people fully remote and, um, you know, really looking to scale the product and the company. And, um, now that we have some stability, it's a great time to jump on board. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, we really like, you know, we really think that, uh, this era of mass music creation has begun and we kind of kickstarted it, but we're only getting started. Right. And, um, we just have, you know, a really strong opportunity to provide, you know, the everyday stack for the everyday artists. And that's, that's our passion. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, I took a look at your careers page. It looks like there's some great opportunities there, uh, across the whole stack, which is fun. So yeah. Which, which uh, position were you looking at, David? <laughs> Does it, you guys are welcome to have this conversation, but just let me leave the room, please. I mean, I do, I do have a background in uh, recording. Audio uh, engineering. <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah, it's true. No, I'm not, I'm not in the market. I have too much fun having conversations like this with uh, people like you, Seth. All right. Uh, thank you for listening to the Subco Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's a great place to go out on though. Thank you so much, Seth, for being on the podcast. And it, man, it's yeah. been great. You've been so uh, generous with your your time and just sharing. And, um, you know, Seth's been on multiple other podcasts. He's been on uh, At Promotion Summit. And so, there, you know, there's, I love it when people in the space are open and share about the successes, the failures, how they're building things. So thanks for your time today and for being so active in the kind of broader app maker community. Yeah. No, I mean, and I just want to say thanks. Thanks for you guys. Uh, the podcast is awesome. I listen to it, uh, every episode and yeah, not to plug your, your product, but your product, like, you know, we love it and it's been instrumental in building a, uh, a real business over here. So we're, we're awesome. really excited and yeah, just, just appreciate you guys it's getting dusty in here. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Seth. It was great to All meet right. you. <laughs> yeah, likewise, man. Let's let's hang out. So let's do it. You guys take care. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.